When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Very good evening to you and welcome to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview here on Maritime Radio. My name is Louis Mendes. Joining me in the studio here at the Valley, making his long, 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 long-awaited return to Thursday evenings, it's Paul Chris. Crispy, how are you doing? Hello, mate. It's good to see you. It's yeah. been a while, isn't it? Yeah, I, I literally don't think I've seen you in the flesh for six months. Am That's I probably a good thing. And there's a beard now attached yeah, to me, know, so... Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, when I say in the flesh, everyone, I would like to assure the listeners he is fully clothed. I am. Uh, I am. But, but he, is, uh, he is here. Uh, because it's a, a big night, a, a big night for the show. We've got plenty to talk about, as always. It's, it's a, you always know it's a special kind of year when you've got a brand new manager and he's not the biggest story of the evening. <laughs> yes, yeah, a bit of a worrying time, isn't it? But there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so on tonight's show, uh, we are going to discuss the uh, explosive Getting to Know the Network podcast uh, produced by uh, Jimmy Stone and others. But uh, Jimmy Stone is the, 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 the main guy that we all know about. Uh, we, we spoke. We caught up with Jimmy to find out how we uh, how we went about putting together that that fantastic podcast. Uh, uh, you guys have to make sure you, if you haven't listened to it yet, you'll you'll definitely be wanting to listen to it after we hear uh, the reaction it's caused from Roland Duchatelet. We're going to discuss uh, what how Roland Duchatelet has reacted to the uh, uh, the explosive details uh, revealed in that podcast, including uh, two emails which Roland sent to Chris Powell, which were leaked, uh, and uh, get into know the network com has copies of these emails. Uh, Roland reacted by suggesting that a certain someone uh, release them uh, when he didn't. So, uh, and we'll hear Jimmy Stone confirm that uh, later on uh, in the show. Also on tonight's show, we will uh, discuss uh, Carl Robinson's first ever uh, first press conference as the Addicts manager. He spoke to uh, uh, loads of people. Really, he spoke to the club as well. We've got a bit of the club's uh, interview with him. Uh, he, we will speak to Greg Stubbley as well, uh, everyone's favourite local journalist who uh, uh, club commentator as well, who um, who was there on. Uh, Monday, so we'll hear from Greg, see uh, what he made of um, Carl Robinson. Of course, because it's the big match preview, we will at some point look ahead to Saturday's game with uh, MK Dons, Carl Robinson's old side. If in, got time. Yeah, in, in the FA Cup. So, um, the Getting to Know the Network podcast. I, I was really struggling trying to decide what to lead the show with tonight, because obviously a new manager is you know, normally a big story, but I think because of the way it's it's all panned out today with Ronan's reaction to the podcast. I think this is probably the biggest story. Um, anyone who hasn't seen it, Jimmy Stone has been, over the last six months or so, putting together a podcast, uh, which is uh, sort of a documentary of uh, of Roland's ownership of the club. It starts off, episode one, is looking back at the last few months of the uh, the previous tenure of uh, Jimenez and Slater and uh, Cash behind the scenes. Cash then ran, ran out, and then Roland came in. So you find out how much of a mess the club was in, and then you find out how uh, how much of a mess it, it became. Would it, have you listened to it so far? I have. I listened to the first one, um, kind of first thing tomorrow, uh, yesterday morning, sorry, tomorrow morning, that would be difficult. Um, <laughs> yesterday morning, going into into work, and then um, when I knew I was going to be on today, I managed to get the second one in while on the way back from a, from a meeting from work. So, um, I mean, the first one it was kind of a lot of what you already knew, and, and the whole point of it, that, that was really to kind of set the 
the story as such mm-hmm. because it, it's an incredible story really when you think about it um but also there was things you know out of that that were quite interesting to hear especially from people like matt wright who'd obviously been part of the club during the jimenez slater time as well um and you look back at those good memories of that league one season but you, you never realized how much of a of a struggle the, the club was in at that point really as we went back into the championship um and then obviously going to the the second the second one that i listened to today was obviously a bit more explosive because you found out more about the the network as such um the boss thomas Driesen, as he's known <laughs> by by uh by bob P- bob peters as coming out and saying that but hearing people like parshashek as well call it you know saying that roland had ruined the club and those sorts of things we i mean there's a lot of things that we already knew but to hear it from a lot of people that, you know, have been taking the time out to come and say this and are obviously, you know, kind of on our side when it comes to that is is extremely interesting to just listen to. Yeah, it's, it's, obviously you hear people, fans, and talk, like say, talking about that sort of thing. But when, when you're hearing it from the people who are in the thick of it, the players, Chris Powell, f- other former network managers, I think he got all of them, didn't he? And, um, yeah, so I think yeah. I think the next one is, is Riga as well. Yeah, and and, yeah, and yeah. so there's a bit of Fry and Peters yeah, in, the, in, the one, in, yeah, in the second one. In, in the next one, I think isn't it's it? just extreme. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just extremely. Uh, well, what's the alarming, disturbing? I mean, you know, we've been using those words for ages about about this <laughs> whole regime, but it, it makes it even worse. And really, just I, I kind of, I mean, I've been someone who's tried to keep myself away from kind of Twitter and those sorts of things as much as I can because I find myself getting wound up. But I had to listen to this, and it's got me even more rolled up and wound up by listening to these two. But I can't wait to hear the rest because to hear more from people that have been, you know, the Riga's. And, and, you know, no, no matter what you thought about Carol Fry, I'd be interested to hear his input, you know, from, from those sorts of things as well. So, I, as we keep saying, it's hearing it from the people that actually were a part of it makes you more and more angry about what's actually happened over the last couple of years. Especially when you hear about, I mean, it came, coming off the back of the first episode, you hear about how Chris Powell built this uh, sort of momentum and this, this feeling around the squad. And, you know, things happened with, with, with Kevin Cash whereby the money ran out, but Chris was doing his darndest to make sure that it didn't affect. I mean, you know, the first season of the championship, what did we sign, like two or three players? Well, maximum, well I think we all knew. I mean, when we only brought in, as, as Matt Wright said, David, who'd uh, failed a medical at Huddersfield on his knee or what have you. And I think obviously we brought Fuller in near the end, but there was six or seven pl- players and the only people, the only person we paid any money for was Laurie Wilson, you know, for 500k or whatever it was on, on that side. So I think we all knew that there were there was something going on because the transfer dealings were a little bit surprising because at the end of that season it really sounded like well we're going to go all guns blazing bring in five or six more and have a real good go at the the championship and yeah it just sums up how good a job Chris Powell did in that first season that that, that we ended up in ninth it's Mm. you know when you look back at it it's incredible I know we had a good run near the end of the season that got us into the top half but that was far beyond expectations when you look at that squad at the start of the season and and we obviously knew what was going on as we went into the the next summer, yeah, and we only brought in two players with two days to go before yeah, the start. Of the I season. mean, obviously one of them was Churchinho, so that was uh, that was the legend uh, it is. Yeah, yeah I uh, bet you cried when you saw it, heard his voice again. Oh mate, yeah, mate, well, I hear his voice every day. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and yeah, so so we found out exactly what sort of situation the club was in going into the next season of the championship, where we started off very badly. Uh, and then it gets to sort of January time, and then the takeover. Happened. I mean, uh, I, f- I think most people probably know that the Josh Harris situation, the guy who's now at Palace. Yeah, uh, it's a bit frustrating, yeah, isn't it? Had, a, had a, a chance of taking us over, and it sounds like there was some sort of squabble over the asking price in the end. Um, and then uh, and then Roland's come in and taken us over really quickly, really sort of came out of nowhere, judging by the uh, the podcast. And then um, 
uh, the 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 name the title of the second episode is called a wrecking ball because that that is that must have feel for 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 those players who are here already who are garnering this team spirit along with the manager. It must have felt like such a wrecking ball to a squad to, with all, with all the changes he tried to make. Yeah, well, I think as Hamer and, and Churchinio spoke in the in the second one around that. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. I think Pritchard was in the first one as well, saying about the team spirit and the momentum, and you could see that on the pitch. I mean, I remember. I think I was by the touchline one of one of the games in a in the League One winning season. You could really see how much of a squad that was, and how much you know. No matter what, if you weren't playing, you still you gave a monkeys about what was going on on the pitch because it was a proper it was a proper team spirit and a proper we're all in this together. Mm. And I mean that's the reason why in that first season the championship we got to ninth because even though we didn't have many more players coming in that squad were all together um and yeah i mean hearing you know hamer and church say oh this player was coming in this player was coming in and paulie knew nothing about it you know i think we all knew that was the case but it's, it must have been awful <laughs> to be a part of that and you know saying about you know the, the the players from the network were on one side of the change room and you've got the other guys on the other and how that can be conducive in in a football in a football team is just ridiculous and hearing about that sort of thing is uh, sort of links up with stuff you hear later on during the season. Yeah, there was always a rumor of some sort of train of some sort of tra- um, dressing room bust up after the Huddersfield game. That fits in with what everything that that was being said then. Um, so uh, the uh, I, I guess like I, I, we'll hear from Jimmy Stone, the producer of the podcast, uh, shortly. Uh, but like I say, the, the biggest scoop, and, the, and the, there's so many good scoops in this, but the biggest scoop has to be the emails. Yep. Um, a, a lot of people have. <laughs> alluded to the the existence of these emails perhaps even knowing about the existence of these emails perhaps even tried to get these emails at, at some point I, i've always thought they weren't true because yeah. katrine said that you know that would that would just be ridiculous <laughs> wouldn't it that you know you didn't, mind, you didn't mind blowing mind blowing, mind there blowing. You go. Yeah, so that's uh, so the first email now this one's not the most mind-blowing one but it's a question it's a question of someone who's, who's perhaps not qualified to be asking the question <laughs> Uh, the first one was sent um, so, so I'll read out the entire page of the website because it says on January the 18th Ben Anik was ill Ben Hamer was injured so Tram started Charlton's trip to Middlesbrough made an error which allowed a weak Emmanuel Ledesma shot to bounce over him and Charlton lost the game uh, Ben Anik returned and replaced Tram for a 3-0 win in the FA Cup over Oxford and then a 1-0 win in the FA Cup over Huddersfield Town uh, after two wins and two clean, sh- uh, clean sheets Anik kept his place for the trip to Doncaster on January the 28th now I remember driving up to this game and I think we were down to 10 men after about 5 minutes or we were down to 10 men we early. definitely went down to 10 yeah, yeah. we were 2-0 down and down to 10 men quite early uh, who was it who got sent off I can't remember uh, it was yeah. the day that no, I, I thought we were going down Wilson, yeah. it was, and it was also to be Jan's last day um, but so at 9.19 uh, with uh, 15 minutes of the match remaining so it would have been 2 or 3-0 by that point so Chris is still I assume he wasn't checking his phone for emails at this time but, but probably while, not whilst the, uh, whilst the game was on the email from Roland Duchatelet says uh, to Chris Powell says, "Chris, could you explain why you did not put Johan, uh, Johan, Chiram <laughs> uh, in goal for the last two games?" That's from Roland. So the last two games, obviously, we won anyway. The current game, we were losing. Uh, in circle, we hadn't played. That. We, it was a terrible performance. There's no two, two ways about that. With all that's going on behind the scenes, you had to wonder um, why. The, um, I mean, you know, is is it out of order for? I mean, for someone who sent you a goal uh, to question. Should he be playing? I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, this one's just a question at the moment. It's a tough. I'd like to know what Chris responded with if he mm. did. You know, because he's insert expletive here. Yeah, I hope he was a meme. <laughs> yeah, well, it could be, but um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it, to, to just ask the question is is not the end of the world. Mm. But, you know, but are, are you really qualified to be asking the question? Yeah. And, and by asking the question, 
are you sort of saying, if my boss came up to me at work and said, Louis, um, Louis, why haven't you sent that email? I wouldn't, I, w- I would probably think, oh, you want me to send that email, don't yeah. you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, a, it's a, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? I mean, this, the, I know the second email probably going to a second. That's yeah. a, that's a lot more, you know, a lot yeah. more cut in stone on, on that side. You know, he, I, I think I saw someone on, on Charlton Life had said that they were at the game against Doncaster that time and apparently Powell had cut a relatively forlorn figure kind of sitting on the side and not really doing his usual, being his usual self. Yeah. Well, I, I, I went to that game as well, but I, I don't really remember seeing Powell there, but what I do remember is, Finchy was still doing all the commentary back then and he said um, after that game he was in the tunnel and even after defeats he'd always speak to Chris Powell and you know Chris Powell would try and be upbeat but he said he was just gone that day he, mm. was, he was not in the room when, when he tried to speak to him so that, that in hindsight it's there you go that, that, that's why yeah of course you're going to feel undermined aren't you and you know a man of Powell's knowledge and experience yeah you probably look at that and go well I've got every right to not be playing him mm. because you know I've got Ben Anik in goal and that, I mean let's face it I know we're going back and talking about old players but Anik was a good keeper Anik did a good job yeah. when he did play for us and you know the fact that he had his contract tore up three days later is absolutely incredible well, that, that's even more bizarre now, oh, when, it's just you, ridiculous. when you look at that in, in the, again in context Jared Mads has said again to know the network was awesome balanced and factual it confirmed everything that we knew there is no future until Roland Duchatelet has gone we've got one from uh, Chris as well which I'll read out I think after we play because I'm just I'm trying to keep this in the timeline of how it's gone this week. So, podcast came out uh, Wednesday, was it? Yesterday? Yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I spoke to Jimmy yesterday evening. Uh, so, we'll play that next. And then what happened today, we can react to that as well. But then this, the second email, uh, which was sent um, on the 30th of January, I think, which was a day or two before the uh, the Wigan game. Yeah, the Wigan one, yep. yeah. I went out, did you go to that Wigan game? It was a horrible, horrible Oh, yeah, game. I remember. No, no, I didn't. No, I didn't no. it, was one of the, it was one of the worst <laughs> days of that season. And Wigan's... Wigan's ground is miles away from the station. It's absolutely riddling it down after the game as well. So he got soaked. We're 1-0 up with about five minutes left and then Charam twice. I remember uh, I remember watching Soccer Saturday and just my head sunk and then my head sunk yeah, lower. Yeah. yeah. Right, so this one uh, was sent from Roland on the 30th of January at uh, 8.42 uh, GMT. Uh, it sounded like uh, David Brent there. Wigan, <laughs> it says, uh, subject line Wigan, dear Chris, and this is a long old email. Uh, and again, I'm only going to allude to it because really, to get the full story, you need to listen to, to Jimmy's podcast. And I'm, I'm sure you probably already have because 6,000 people had it at some point yesterday. Yeah. So I'm sure pretty much. A lot of traction. Yeah. Uh, it says, Dear Chris, before acquiring Charlton Athletic, our scouts did analyse the players and so the playing sy- and also the playing system. The conclusion was that the average quality of the group was below average. That doesn't make sense. No. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the average can't be below average. <laughs> they also used this as the explanation why the team played some games with a over defensive organization which did not work well as soon as you reconverted to a 442 they felt it was much better and also that the defensive quality was much better than what one might expect based on the individual quality of the defenders this is an electronics man we're talking to here this is incredible yeah. isn't it what with this you? knowledge we transferred quality players from standard liage and Ujpest. standard liage and Ujpest. so we're looking at anal cock we're looking at um razor Chanajad. We're looking at Charam, we're looking at Loic Nago, Loic yeah. Nago and Astrid, who was yep. pretty good, to be fair. Uh, in the future, we will only re- re- recruit players of high quality. That's gone well. Yeah, that really well, that. Cracking, yeah, cracking done stuff. a cracking job there, Roland. Uh, <laughs> I asked a scout who has been most involved in this exercise, uh, and, and uh, the podcast goes on to say that, that they believe the scout was Thomas Dreesen. It was Thomas Dreesen, yeah. yeah. Sorry, the boss. The, the boss, according to Poppy. As I asked the scout, he would be, he would now ha- how he would now play, given the recent injection of quality. Indeed, to put it bluntly, he knows the incoming players much better than you. 
And he also knows the other player as well, since he analysed so many games in detail, whilst you may not have had the time to do so. Chris Powell was at the matches. Yep. He was managing yep. the games. Yeah, I think we all can analyse it a little bit better than uh, that. Yeah, it's just yeah. So, uh, Roland goes on to uh, describe, to explain to Chrissy Powell how a four four two works. Uh, talking about becoming a four one two one two, which is, I think he's trying to describe a diamond there. <laughs> Uh, play the diamonds and ironically one of the quotes um, so we, we played Loic Nego in that game and obviously it was crap and um, I remember asking uh, Thomas Dreisen when I interviewed him a few weeks ago about Nago and he said oh we, we played him in a diamond and that wasn't the best formation <laughs> for him <laughs> was like, oh, just, oh. Oh, just goes back and forth yeah, and back and forth yeah, so, that, so that made me laugh but, um, so yeah so this whole and this email is explosive and then, and then he goes on to and then he goes on to say obviously he would play Taram in goal Wood and Morrison as central defenders Wigan, uh, Wiggins as left back and right back is Nago since Solly is injured the four midfielders would be Astrid, Cousins, Stevens and Harriet so he, he sent this email on the 30th of Jan. Stevens was sold by the end of the transfer window. He was, yeah. yeah uh, 30 days, has September, April, June. No, so mm-hmm. next day. Uh, and Harriet, and would prefer Sordell to play with Razor. He thinks Sordell has much better technical quality. See, I don't like this because they've, they've dropped Simon Church. <laughs> and, and would create much more danger if we play football rather than long balls. And ironically, Sordell did score the next he, day. He did play Sordell and Reza because Reza hit the bar yeah, as well. Yeah, from a slotted through ball that came from quite far away. <laughs> but <laughs> but <laughs> we, won't, we won't go into that. So... All right, so you're looking at that. I mean, that that is. There's no two ways of looking at it. That is Roland, an electronics man, with you know Thomas Reason, who, with, with all due respect, every time we've tried to get find out what his qualifications are, you know, the, the, none have been forthcoming. He's probably won something on Football Manager, I'm guessing, mm. but that's probably yeah. it. You've you've just you've just read that out again, and I've read that a couple of times today, and I still feel myself getting riled up and angry about it because it's just. I know, I know we're probably not the only club where this happens. But seeing this happen here, and actually now you've actually got to see an email from him, which is so obvious mm. that he's involved in it or trying to get involved in it, it's in- it's just incredible. It's laughable, to be, to be quite honest. Yeah. So staying within the timeline, yesterday uh, the club uh, did give comment on the email situation to uh, the Daily Mail, and they said that the club does not comment on private emails. Uh, more on that later. And... Uh, <laughs> and um, uh, and, and that was, was something else saying, of course, that they do not, uh, they would not ever tell uh, Thingy who to who to play, Carl Robinson, who to play that sort of thing. Hmm. Um, right. So, so that's that's pretty much what happened yesterday. Uh, yesterday evening, I, I spoke to Jimmy Stone, the producer of the podcast. He used to, he used to, for those of you who don't know, Jimmy he used to work in the club's media department. Um, left probably a couple of years ago now. Uh, big big Charlton fan, like the rest of us. Um, he also. Um, he, he, I think he went on to work at West Ham. He did, yeah. He, yeah. he was. He's the man who uh, who's behind, along with others. But uh, the others are wishing to remain anonymous, and we don't actually know who they are. Uh, uh, he went on to produce the uh, the podcast. So I wanted to find out. You know, basically, I just wanted to find out. You know, what's if he was surprised by things? What sort what sort of things he uh, he came across? If he ever came across anyone not willing to speak to him? So I spoke to Jimmy yesterday. I think this is definitely worth a listen. And considering what he told us last night and what's come out today, it was definitely worth a listen because it made me laugh when I when I saw Roland's reaction to it today. This is Jimmy Stone, the producer of the Getting to Know the Network podcast. Joined on the phone now by the producer of the Getting to Know the Network podcast, Jimmy Stone. Jimmy, how are you? Well, thanks, Louis. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Thanks for for joining us here on Charlton Live. Um, uh, by the time this goes out, the, the, the podcast came out yesterday. Uh, I'm sure plenty of people would have heard it now, but for those who haven't, um, we tell us what, what the podcast is all about? Um, well, basically, we wanted to put out a, a, a balanced piece of journalism, really, um, 
about what's happened at Charlton uh, since since 2013, really, the year before Roland Duchatelet took over the club, um, and you can hear that in episode one. And then episode two is more about the first three or four months of Roland Duchatelet's reign um, with Chris Powell in charge and, and what happened. So I guess uh, episode one really is probably quite revealing for people who didn't really, who wouldn't have known what was going on with behind the scenes as, as the club seemed to, to run out of money under uh, Slater and Jimenez. Yeah, I mean, I think people probably had in their minds that things were relatively bad because the club weren't making signings. Um, you know, after the season we got promoted and we'd signed, you know, 16, 17 players, and I think the plan was always to push on and, and sign more. Uh, and that didn't happen. And um, Powell was promised more and more players, and it just didn't happen. And he was forced to release uh, likes of Bradley Wright Phillips and Danny Haynes, and, and he just was never given players. And I think people probably in their mind knew something was wrong, uh, but at the same time, the owners weren't communicating at all. So, so it wasn't it wasn't completely clear. But the club was actually in real prob- in real danger of going into administration by the end of their reign. Mm. Um, so, I think people might be surprised at just. The state, quite the state, the club was in. And then in uh, in the second part of it, you you move on to the the first the first few months or so of uh, of Roland Duchatelet's reign. Um, um, you, you spoke to so many so many different people out there. Um, you really had to put a lot of hard work into this, didn't you? It was hard work. Yeah, I mean, there was uh, it wasn't just me. Um, there was there was one more who was helping with interviews, but. Um, yeah, it was hard work. Um, you know, we all had we all had jobs. This isn't our full time job, so um, you know we were spending a lot of time at home and at weekends. You know, just chasing people in Belgium and in Israel and all, all over the place, Paris. Um, so yeah, it was it was hard work, and I suppose the hardest part was was you know finding out who was doing what. Really, um, it wasn't so much the chasing people it was it was finding out you know who were the scouts I, mean, I don't want to give too much away but you know we speak to, we speak to uh, we speak to the chief scout of Duchatelet's network in 2014 and we speak to two of his closest advisors and I think um, yeah we haven't heard them speak about Charm before so it was hard it was hard uh, finding out who they were how to get hold of them, but yeah. Also, once we did, trying to get them to speak was also a bit of an issue. Yeah. Uh, but we managed it, and, and we're pleased with how it turned out. I guess one of the the, the biggest scoop that, that that you've got is um is the release of the emails. I think Chris Power probably alluded to the emails in in interviews beforehand, but uh, to, to actually get a copy of those, I imagine that was uh you must that must have felt like quite a big scoop and and, and massively revealing as well. Yeah, I mean. We, we knew the emails existed. Um, I assume, you know, I assume people will probably think they came from Chris Powell's side, but actually it was somewhere completely different. Um, I'm not going to tell you where, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was a massive scoop. We, we, when we saw them, uh, it felt like a, a bit of a celebration, really, because we couldn't quite believe what we were reading, especially, especially the second one, uh, the Wigan email. And that, I think most people would have also suspected something was up at, at that Wigan game because all of a sudden Powell's team changed completely and I think 
that was a result of that email and him being so frustrated at the pressure he was being put under um, by the owner. And, and yeah, he, he wanted to make a point, really. So that email is that email in particular felt like a real victory for us. Now, of course, you you yourself you used you used to work for the club, but were there things that you stumbled across whilst whilst um, researching for this podcast that, that you didn't even know beforehand? <laughs> Loads of stuff. Loads of stuff. In fact, I'd say the vast majority of episode two, um, I was learning new things. Um, I think you know we were helped by we were helped by the the fact that uh, people people and I'm talking about the scouts and the advisors who we spoke to just assumed that what was going on at Charlton was normal that everyone knew and everyone knew and expected what um, what they were saying to be correct and well actually I think it's been so secretive that you know this is going to be a real surprise to people so we were helped by the fact that people were happy to be relatively open because they sh- assumed everyone knew um but as, yeah going back to the question um yeah vast majority of episode two um the scouts uh, i knew about the emails but i didn't know the content of them was a surprise to me yes you mentioned about a lot of people being happy to speak. Did you ever come across any resistance whilst you were trying to, to find out things about the network? Uh, yes, uh, Thomas Dreesen. Um, I mean, he was, we spoke to him. He was on and off uh, about doing it. Um, he was perfectly polite, perfectly friendly, but he, um, he, he basically in the end agreed to just to give us a statement, and, uh, and we settled on that. Um, but... Uh, it got to a stage even where I offered to say, you know, I'll play you, I'll play you what everyone else has said about you, and you can react to it if you like, because you know, it, there was it, everyone was <coughs> sorry, everyone was so so damning of him really that um, I felt it, he probably needed to respond in some way, and eventually we settled on on that line. But um, there are others, and I'm hoping that. We'll still speak to them, so I won't reveal their names. I'm hoping that there'll be a few who we've spoken to who will speak in episodes three and four. But yeah, Thomas Treaton was the real disappointment because he's he plays such a big part, and I you know I hope he'll still speak, but we'll see. Yeah. Were you? Uh, what, what what was your motivation for for trying to make this podcast in in, in the first instance? We just wanted to tell the story, really. When I worked at Charlton, we always used to joke that. It would, you know, we should take notes because this could be a sitcom. And <laughs> we didn't. We were, the whole process would be much easier if we did. <laughs> there are so many strange things going on that, you know, we sort of, um, we sort of thought it would be, it would make a great sitcom. But yeah, we just wanted to tell us the story of what what's happened. Um, we wanted to separate fact from fiction for fans because there has been there has been so many rumours um, about the club, about individuals. And a club and sort of mudslinging and accusing people of lying and, and people accusing the club of things as well. And we just wanted to separate the fact from fiction and and present the facts really. And and once they were presented, we're happy for fans to make up their own minds. Really, we think it's quite balanced. Yeah, yeah, I, hope I, it is. yeah I, I think that's fair to say it's quite balanced as well. But from, from on your own point of view, have, have you got a feeling? Did, has your 
opinion at all changed on anything that that, the, that you thought you knew beforehand? Um, no, not really. Um, I, I think I've made my opinion clear in the past. Um, I've tried to not as much recently just because making this all to try and stay as balanced and unbiased as possible. But it's just it's a sad situation. You know, I'm a fan. Some of the people I work with weren't and, and was were sort of playing devil's advocate at times and, you know, and suggesting that, well, perhaps they were right to do this and perhaps it wasn't. But I think, you know, we're all sort of in agreement that it's a pretty sad situation and the trust the trust is so obviously gone between fans and, and the owners. Yeah. Um, and I don't see how that can ever really come back. Very sad indeed. And this is uh, obviously just been part one and uh, one and two. When can we expect parts three and four? Well, we're having a break. I've said that. We're going to have a break in over Christmas. Um, and we'll probably be script writing over Christmas a little bit. Um, and then I think end of Jan for, pit for three, maybe before that. But I think a reasonable target will be end of Jan for three and then end of February for four. But we've already got some great stuff for both of them. Um, and we'll be speaking to more people. And as I said, um, hopefully some of the people who haven't spoken to us would have heard one and two and maybe decide they do want to speak to us, but we'll see. Jimmy, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us on Travel Life. Thanks for, for your hard work on the podcast. I've certainly uh, found it fascinating. I really can't wait for, for parts three and four. I'm glad you enjoyed it, mate. Live. So welcome back, Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. This is the big match preview. That was Jimmy Stone speaking after uh, his uh, release of the Getting to Know the Network podcast yesterday. So I spoke to Jimmy last night to get his reaction to you know uh, how it gone uh, yesterday as well, um, and then it all kicked off uh, today. <laughs> yeah, as we as we always love it. Uh, to, to kick off, it certainly helps to fill this show. Um, uh, Roland uh, decided to give a interview to a Belgian magazine slash newspaper called Het Noisblad. Oh, that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's probably famous over there. <laughs> they probably never heard a channel live, to be fair. <laughs> uh, and uh, the story goes. Now, this is a Google Translate, which so obviously it's not perfect, but it'll give it'll give us the gist of it, and it sort of goes on. Roland. Do- Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to Amazon.com slash news ad free. That's Amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Chatelet is once again under attack in Britain. There is turmoil emerged to two leaked documents uh, or two leaked emails from Roland Du Chatelet uh, 
uh, to Chris Powell, his coach at Cholton. Uh, blah, blah, blah. He says he asked Powell why he didn't play Johan Charam, uh, who was the goalkeeper sent from Standard. Uh, and in a second, much longer email, it lists a set of players who would like to see them play and does a heartfelt attempt to explain Powell, it says. So it tries to explain to Powell, a former England international, the basic principles of the 4-4-2, uh, <laughs> concluding with the question whether he, uh, what tactics and lineup he would like to try in the, new, in the next game. That's the best thing. That's what we haven't even mentioned on the email, where Roland is saying, you know, to Chris Powell, you know, I've got, I've thought of something. Why don't you use the reserves to play against yourself in training? <laughs> Chris, well, oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, it's good 700, one, 700 games he's played football. <laughs> uh, and so these are so this is Google Translate of the quotes. But uh, Roland de Chatelet confirms that the emails are authentic. And then he says, and thus were leaked by Pal. Now, we've had it confirmed on the, uh, on the interview there from Jimmy Stone. I very briefly spoke to him again today. To, to reconfirm it, the, the emails did not come from Chris Powell. So if you're accusing someone of doing something like that, I mean, that's, is that defamation of character? I'm not a lawyer. So, uh, someone uh, here is. Yeah, apparently. No, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably does it better than what she does with a CEO job. But um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, if you, you're pretty much saying, yeah, you're, you're putting it out there and saying he's done it and it's categorically not, you know, as much as we've always kind of, Powell's allude, alluded to in interviews about these kind of, you know, being told and those sorts of things so we kind of knew that they were in there and around um but but powell isn't you know chris powell isn't the type of person to go and do that you know no matter what no matter how much he kind of hated the man you wouldn't he wouldn't do it so you know it's no surprise to me that it, it hasn't come from him and then it's come from another source that I, I don't know but um yeah i mean i thought the club don't don't comment on on these sorts of things yeah, yeah, um yeah, well, it, it just it, seems like well it's every so often you know, it yeah. just feels like if the club aren't going to comment well roland will just come out back back crazy the next morning and just come and do it again it's like the the statement that went on the website isn't it so so um to continue i think roland tried to um explain the emails he says if you read the emails it, again this is google translate so it's not perfect but he says it, it just comes to advice so i'm just advising him and there is nowhere to be found an obligation, so I'm not telling him. That's the way Ronan sees it. But of course, if you're sending that email, and then within what six weeks you've you've sacked him, <laughs> for, for, you know that sort of thing. Uh, it says we 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 let Powell go. Jose Riga then immediately pulled out, which I believe is pulled out of the relegation zone uh, with supposedly poor players of the network. With uh, he said he had an average of 1.5 points per game, whereas Powell only had one point per game. He said more than 50% better, and then he said we've so. I think called inferior players. Now the issue here is, Riga barely played any of these players. I was looking at now. Razor Guchanajad, I think played something like seventeen times towards the end of that season. Seven of which were substitute appearances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of times he went off as well. Astrid, I mean Astrid was a decent player, but he never lasted ninety minutes. No, it was about good, sixty yeah. minutes, and that was it. Yeah. Was it? But he definitely didn't play Nago. He definitely yeah. didn't play Nago, Turan. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's so spiteful, and the fact is, like Riga got out with the same players that Powers yeah. using. Yeah, and that testament to the spirit of that squad that they managed to get themselves out of it. I mean, we're still talking about the four game, four or five games in hand when when Riga came in, that the power got to be utilised. There's so much there, and all the stuff going on behind the scenes. And yep. you know, you hear from from all the the, the stuff that the players said. You know, it's, it it just doesn't make sense. And it, it, I, I have to admit, I, I thought that was a bizarre thing from Roland, especially the the accusations that he's, he's now got on record saying that that power was leaking. It, when it, he, wasn't. he seems to be coming out more in the public spotlight than he ever had you know so um, yeah obviously it's coming out more in Belgium of course it is but about a year and a half ago you know we didn't really hear from him at all did we you know um, and even you know six seven eight months ago we didn't really hear from him yeah. a lot and over the last you know, since since 
card has, has come around and the protests have become more more and more frequent he started to to come out more and in, in an angry way mm. in, in my opinion does that mean it's breaking him down yes especially stuff that gets in i mean stuff that gets in the news in belgium seems yeah. to be the main one because he, do, he doesn't seem to like being he, ha- he hated the fact that they went over there didn't yeah. he let's face it you know so for this to come out and I, i've been you know, fair play to jimmy stone I, I think we've got to put it out there and you know that's a lot of time and effort that he's put in oh, to yeah, do this for like, i think it says six months or something that's like that. that's yeah, a lot of incredible. effort to do that you know and he's doing that off his own back and you know whoever's done that with him fan- well done fantastic thank you very much because yeah. you know i've been waiting about a month to, to hear those um and it's more of what I wanted. I want. I can't wait for the next two, really. Now, the other side of the... Because uh, obviously this is stuff that did happen three years ago. Now, the other side of it is you see people saying, well, you know, it was three years ago. Maybe they've changed by now. And the, you try and look for proof of that. I mean, I guess the fact that the Slade's come in and gone so quickly, there was you know, a reported argument between Slade and Katrine, I think it was, via Thomas Dryden about the signing of Andrew Cross in the summer. That's a story I heard. Yeah, um, yeah. And and so these sort of things suggest that the, perhaps you know Tom, Thomas still wants to get involved. I mean, t- Thomas has told me now that I think he's working more with St. Truden. Okay, but um, but but uh, that's know, nice if, for him. Yeah, if that's what happened, uh, they're probably relegated. If that's what happened in the in the uh, in the summer, you know, it's, it, is it change? Is it not? I mean, that's that's what's hard to say. You you got to look at the players that came in, and none of them none of them came from the area. So for me, that's that's a positive. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm against them in, in every way possible, but I, I have to go with the fact that. English players or British players came in. That that's a positive in my opinion. Yeah. But the fact that after fifteen ga- fifteen games, two weeks after someone had come out and said, "Yeah, this we've we've turned, we've, we've changed," blah blah blah, and then uh, Slade gets a sack, just completely just goes back on everything else that was was talked I think, about. Uh, the, I mean, Steve Brown said it on uh, on BBC Radio London on Saturday, and we played it on Sunday show. The, the trust has gone. I can't yeah. see it coming back. Right. Uh, we had a couple of tweets in earlier. Chrissy T says, "If that is if that's what Roland was emailing Powell, imagine what pearls of wisdom are hidden in the emails between Roland and Katrine." <laughs> Dread to think. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Chris says, uh, "Where does this leave Mayor now? As she's, uh, in his opinion, proved to be a liar." <laughs> Uh, her reputation is in pieces now. Surely, I hope uh, I hope she resigns now. I mean, because she, she came out and said that that it would be, um, what did we say? It was mind blowing if, yep. if the road. I mean, and I mean, I mean, they they will probably try and argue now that it's not um, proof that he was telling her it was more advice, but Even I mean, help, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I mean, I mean, that that that's up to opinion, really. And I think if you're the if you're the manager getting advice from an old electronics man. You probably feel a bit disappointed. And James Mads uh, said, just to top it all off, that Wigan game was doubly awful because after it, I did a Bambi on ice moment and face planted into a muddy puddle. <laughs> and I think that sums up our yeah. last three years at Charlton very nicely, Mads. Right, um, it's not all bad news. Monday was the uh, first press conference of the brand new manager, Carl Robinson. Now, um, I wasn't able to go because I have a, a job. But um, <laughs> Carl, um, so, uh, so the only audio we could get is from the club. I've just got the first little bit of Carl Robinson's... Uh, message here and we'll, we'll come out and talk about it and then we'll hear from Greg Stubley as well but you know if you take, take it on it on its face value when you listen to Carl Robinson you, you can't fault his enthusiasm for the game and the enthusiasm he's, enthusiasm he's showing having joined the club so this is Carl Robinson speaking to Ollie Groom on Monday Carl welcome to the club we're coming to the end of your first day here at Charlton things are just about sinking in how does it feel to be Charlton manager uh, not sinking in no um, still quite surreal really to think that uh, I got a phone call about ten days ago now, to spoke about the opportunity of maybe speaking to the, to the owners, and I, I jumped at that opportunity, and it was a to, to get the chance to, to say this is where your next destination is going to be was was quite a, an important one for me personally. 
Um, but I've always said, if you look at anything I've said before coming here, my next step was was probably one of the most important ones in my life. And this is, I think this is right. I really do. It's a good time. It's a, it's an opportunity where we can push forward. We all know where we want to belong. And it's uh, no, it's not quite settled in yet. Let's look at the place. It's a, it's a wonderful stadium. I've come from a great stadium, and these places are important to me. Home is important to me. Mm. And. Uh, no, I'm, not, I'm looking forward to it still. I'm still, a, I'm still, I'm like a little kid. Yeah. I'm dead excited. Well, what is it about Charlton that it, um, attracted you to that challenge? Um, I've been here many times, and you walk out in the corner just over there, and it's the intensity of the great the place and the, the fans, and you know you're in a game. I feel like you. It's almost how English football is in some ways. It's just that passion and drive. Ironically, playing the FA Cup on Saturday and the tradition steeped in history with, with our country. It's a, it's one that I'm really looking forward to. And it, and it, and it was sold to me, massively sold to me. Um, I think people who know me personally know that uh, I, I'm a very, I make my decisions and I stand by my own decisions. And I'm a very uh, strong-minded individual. And but, but when people come to you with a plan and a clear plan. Um, and the youth, the youth, the the youth setup. There's just so many things to fit perfectly, and I'm really excited about the challenge. It's certainly going to be a challenge, but I'm, I'm mm. certainly excited by it. You mentioned having a look around you. The stadium is a great stadium we've got here. It's a pretty special place to call home, isn't it? And you've come here with MK Dons on a number of occasions. Mm. So, what were your memories of, of being a visiting manager here? Um, the badge scared you slightly because of the history that the club had and the players who've been here and. and even Premier League, well, in the Premier League, this was always a place that nobody really wanted to come and play because of the intensity and the honesty of the players on the football pitch. And, and, and that's, that's important to me, that the players wear the shirt with pride. And I said to somebody earlier that the most important thing for me is that players, before they put the shirt on, were going to dedicate the next 90 minutes to that. When they take it off, there's nothing physically more they could have done. And to be able to walk out here as manager of this team, wearing our red strip, um, and hopefully taking games to the opposition being fearless and being expansive and being aggressive in our press, aggressive in our play, aggressive in our finishing, aggressive in our defending. And there's certainly components of this football club that I know we can improve, but what I would say, I'd like to say thanks to Russell. I think Russell's left a very, very good squad. A lot of the things that may be right or wrong, I think he started to wean a lot of them things out. And uh, it was the start of a journey, I think. And whatever the circumstances were, I've been lucky enough to take your club going in the right direction and um, that's massive to me and, um, and again another thing that's important what Nuge did over the last seven mm. days was incredible and uh, it's a tremendous testament to him and the players the work ethic that, that they put in for this, this football club and, and I say I'm, I'm very very fortunate very very lucky uh, you had your first training session this morning, this afternoon with the boys. How, how did you find that? Really getting get, taking the reins yeah, finally? Yeah, it's enjoyable. Like I say, there's obviously the certain players in, in, in Mass Day Plus 2 recovery mode, the certain players who haven't been playing to see them, but start to get across some of the ideas and the rotations and the patterns of play and how we're going to press, where we're going to press. Uh, hopefully it wasn't too much of an overload, but there's an awful lot of work to be done in the next two weeks for the next league game. Um, it's a massive two weeks for me, and I want to implement as many different things as I possibly can. Um, I'll be doing little games behind closed doors to try and implement some of them. And for me to find out what the best balance of the team is. Traditionally, everyone will, will, will look at me as a 4-2-3-1 man and, and playing with two, four very high players and being very expansive in that. And I think in League One, in the, in the four years that I've done, I think it's in League One, I think it was uh, five, sorry, it was 
twice we scored over 100 goals. So it just shows you how expansive we want to be. And so it's going to take time to find that that blend. Um, but we mm. have good strikers here. So playing two at the moment seems to suit. We've, we've scored a number of goals recently, and that's something that I want to continue. Well, you've seen the side play a couple of times over the last week or so. Must have been rubbing your hands together at Bristol Rovers with what was going on out there. Five goals, but I mean, what have you made? It's two very different games with Sheffield United as well. But what have you made of what you've yeah, seen so I far? I think I think there's a very honest reflection of after the game on, on Saturday. I think everyone knew Sheffield United were a very good side, um, but to to get something out of the game in the way that we did was was incredible. And I think the players deserve a pat on the back equally. The uh, nudge, but I said to my daughter, "Funny, I was at my daughter, I said, and my family, I said, not many are leaving." And they went, oh yeah, that was in the 90th minute. And mm. Normally by this point you start seeing stadiums massively starting to empty. I, I, and I, funny if I was said that and then we scored. And it's important that, that you have that, that, that you have that willingness to fight to the end. And then obviously the, in the Tuesday game, they were, they were excellent. They, they really were tremendous application. He's a very, very good Bristol Rovers side. Mm. Um, so, but that was really, that night really sort of, it sank home to me. I went home that night and thought about it all day Wednesday and, and then made the decision Wednesday afternoon and it was one of them ones where that was a massive, massive indicator of this being the right football club. You join us in um, a pretty good run of form, good momentum at the moment, um, two points off the playoffs, what, what are your aims now for the rest of the season? We spoke internally, we've won two players, what we want to do, um, they know my objectives, they know my targets, um, some may foresee them as being slightly high but I see high targets being achievable ones as well if you work hard an application to your industry is, is should be a given I hate hate hearing people say what's he like as a player oh he works hard that shouldn't even be in a match report it shouldn't mm. be in a report of any player it should be something that they always naturally do and uh, I know I've got players here that are, are certainly willing to, to put a right good shift in and, and they're lucky that they've got fans that are willing to put a shift in as well uh, and that's important I've seen the, the, the drive and the determination of them um, well, people will get to find out with me very quickly. I don't need to say what I want to say. I say what I believe. Mm. There's no gimmicks. There's no, there's no marketing structures in this. I, uh, I've seen a group of fans very determined and willing to support their team. I've seen a group of players willing to put a shift in for them as well. And, th- and then continuities from the, from the terraces to the pitch uh, are my single biggest motivator. If we can connect these two, this will be a place that nobody wants to run back. For this world to stop hating Can't find a good reason Can't find hope to believe in Ray Hergrod, can he get across into the middle? He can. This comes to the far post. Yeah! Let's go! With a goal! Yeah! In the 96th minute! Charlton Live. So we heard the new Charlton manager. Uh, Carl Robinson speaking to Ollie Grimm, club's media officer. Um, so, see, I think, listening to his quotes, I, I think he comes across quite well, quite enthusiastic. I mean, it's, it's probably quite hard to get those wrong, to be fair. And, and obviously, that's a club interview, so it's different to a press interview, which I couldn't get a, a hold of. I mean, I mean, I get the impression you're not a huge fan of him anyway, but... <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Uh, I wasn't when in his time at MK Dons. Mainly because I always thought that he was just, no matter what, if they lost a game, he was very much someone who would blame anyone else but himself. Um, You know, it was always the referee's fault or something like that. You know, he's our manager now, so, you know, I want him to do well. Um, And you're right, you know, the interview, I I listened to it on, I think came out on the Tuesday afternoon, so I I had a a watch of it. And um, 
no, he came. He came. Comes across as as enthusiastic as you know that he's really, really keen and happy to be here, which is, which is fine. You know, um, I'm I'm delighted for him. But you know, Slade said that in June or what have you, and by October or November, he looked absolutely shattered and I don't know a bit a bit drained. So it'll be interesting to see how how he gets on. He, you know, he needs to have a good start. Is is you know is pretty pretty clear, isn't it? Yeah. But um, I mean, uh, what we all want is football results. And yeah, if, if he we gets do. in football results, I mean, I, I've seen, I'd say 95% of what I've seen out there, everyone's behind the new manager. I think that the main worry is uh, that he won't be allowed to succeed, which I think we've we've seen the troubles. I mean, that, and that's where the conversation comes to whether they've changed or not, whether they've changed in, in terms of letting Slade bring in his own signings, which he, in the, on the whole he did and what he did, but... Um, you know that 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 that's what remains to be seen, and this, and will he be allowed to have a five game winless run? Oh, this is the difficult part for me. Is the, the fact is, no matter who comes in, it could be anyone. It could be Mourinho, and and I could listen to him talk, and I'll probably still I just wouldn't believe it. I, I think that's what the ownership have, have dragged me to as a fan, and probably quite a lot of others that they can't really take a word of anything and believe it anymore. Mm. No matter who it comes from, um, you know, part of the not the club interview, but part coming out about. In the yeah, press about a, Mr. O'Loughlin. Yeah, I mean that, 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 see, that was the one thing that, that confused me slightly because there's no, it, it, there's no, it doesn't sound feasible, really. That, no, because uh, oh, I'm sure that Carl yeah. Robinson was sitting there, you know, at MK Dons, he was thinking, "Cool, yeah, that Chris O'Loughlin, that's intruding, you yeah. know, he's, he's doing a good out job. Why having him? Yeah, out, <laughs> out, the, out, yeah. out in the Congo. Yeah, I, I liked his, I liked his work at Melbourne Victory. I'd really <laughs> want him on my coaching staff. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I kind of looked at that part. I thought, are you part of the kind of you know, been told to talk yeah, about that. Same time, it feels like I mean, if I mean, yeah, that might be the case. We don't know, um, but maybe there was something with Slade at the start, at the start, or quite near the start of his um, reign, where he he was, um, you know, famously he, he wanted he wanted everyone to be positive and you know be patient, and he wanted to like he he, he knows there's a negativity around the club, and Carl Robinson knows that as well, and he knows that there's a problem, there's a negativity around Chris O'Loughlin because of where he's come from. Yeah. And because of that, Cole, Cole looks at that and goes, well, no matter what people think, negativity's not going to help me. Uh, it would be easier for me if people are behind me and behind him. So he just tries to, he just tries to say the right thing in that case because he wants everyone to feel happy. It's quite, it's quite interesting in regards to kind of the, you know, he, he said I'm not stupid, didn't he? I think he said, I, I know what's, I can see what's kind of going on, but I think he'd come out and said he wanted to have a pint with some fans and find out a little bit more about their frustrations and those sorts of things. And yeah. It's kind of like, well, surely you should know as you're take, when you're taking this job yeah. what you're about to get yourself into. And, and you know, I think he brought Matt Holland down on the Monday, yeah. I believe. Which is, I don't know if that's him doing that or is it a bit of a PR spin? Uh, oh, no, I think by the sounds of it, I, I think that is Cole doing yeah. that because Matt seems to know him somehow uh, through through something or each other. So I think I think that, you know, and that's not a bad thing. And that, I mean, that is no, what, it's, it's not. But once that, again, the cynical yeah. mind in me yeah. is going, <laughs> yeah. oh, PR spin, get an ex captain down." But, but that does feel like. I mean, if it is PR spin, if it isn't, but it's positive. And I, I, yeah. I will put that down as a positive. You know, I just hope that you know that the Matt understands exactly. Like again, the same as everyone else to understand what's going on, right? Because we're running out of time. I'm going to stick on the uh, Stubbers interview now. I spoke to Greg Stubbley. He was uh, here at the uh, the press day, and it's. Uh, I think it's interesting to hear from someone who was here. Uh, because obviously we weren't here, so we can't get the full measure of the man. And, and uh, this is what Greg had to say about Carl Robinson. Joining us on there the phone go. now on Charlton Live is uh, Greg Stubbley, local uh, reporter, club commentator, and uh, sometime Charlton team member. How you doing, Greg? Yeah, I'm good, Louis. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm missing the guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get you in for a show soon. Now, um, you, yeah. were, you were one of the, the lucky few journalists who went to uh, Carl Robinson's press day on on uh, Monday. Uh, well, t- tell us about it. What was uh, what was the measure of the man? Um, to be fair, I was actually pleasantly surprised with him. Um, I think I've not really seen too much of him in terms of not being in any press conferences with him before, but um, I was expecting something along the lines of something a bit more scripted. I was expecting him to be a bit more 
cautious in what he's saying, but to be honest, it's actually the opposite. He Before he, he spoke to the locals, he was speaking to the club, and then he's speaking to broadcasters. So he'd already done about an hour's, hour's worth of interviews, but he still came in, he still had this sort of passion. I was quite, I was quite pleasantly surprised, um, especially with the, the sort of manner he was speaking. It, it certainly came from the heart. Um, I think he might have caught a glimpse on the, on the club interview about his sort of passion and the way he, he comes across for us press guys. It's, it's great news for us that we'll get a few quotes out of him. But um, on the whole, I was, I was quite, I was quite uh, enthusiastic about him himself. Um, of course, there are still things going on off the pitch that, that remain to be seen. But certainly in terms of him and, and what he was saying, it, it sounds like the, the perfect fit. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously no denying that he's taken on a, a huge job at Charlton, but he, he certainly came across as very enthusiastic. Oh, no question. Um, one of the, the best stories he said was he was talking about the, the Bristol Rovers game and he came up with this quote saying how um, when he got told that the job was likely to be his, he, he straight away drove to Bristol and he said the reason he stayed for the whole 90 minutes was because he wanted to see the players come over at the end of the game and and see if they clapped because it was so important to him. Because he's, he's talking more like a fan than, than a manager and he's saying how um, he spoke to a couple of fans outside the ground after the game and he said about how this one fan started welling up, uh, almost welling up about Charlton and he, he, he found it so passionate and he, he could always um, reflect on that with his own football opinions and his beliefs and, and being a fan himself and I think that's where, uh, I mean I tweeted something saying um, Carl Robinson wanted to learn more about the protests and the, the reason he said that was because he wants to learn it from the fans. I think a lot of people saying well, we should have researched before he got the job, and, and yeah, maybe the case. But I think it's more that he wants to learn it from the fans themselves. Um, I think he wants to hear it from their hearts, and he wants to hear that passion that he, that he saw on, on that game against Bristol. And it, certainly from that side of things, he's he certainly to try and listen to the, to the fans a little bit more, maybe a little bit more than actually than Slade did. Did he give you sort of any indication that he knows about the size of the task so far? Like what he knows, considering. What he must have seen from from the the protests and whatnot in the in the news. No, oh, I don't think there's any question about that. I think he doesn't want to come. He doesn't want to mention it too much because it might see it might be a little bit of a weakness or it might be seen as an excuse. But I think he's he's got to know. I think anyone in the game will know. And he's, he's mentioned how much advice he took before getting the job. He said he spoke to former managers, spoke to former players. He spoke to Matt Holland. Um, I can't remember who else he mentioned. Sam Anderson, people like that. He said he's got contacts in the game. He always really goes to. So he got a lot of advice. Um, but he, he talked about how he rejected other jobs, and I found it quite interesting. He said how he rejected other jobs, but yet he found the Charlton job so appealing. I think he, he used the sort of cliches managers do about Charlton, about the ground, how we should be in the Premier League, blah, blah, blah. But he also mentioned about the sort of hardcore fan group we have, and um, certainly it was something that, again, came from his heart. It wasn't a scripted sort of message, but he's, he's sort of sitting and he kept stumbling on his words, like it's almost like he was welling up himself. and. I feel like he really, really wants to make a difference. He really wants to wants to get the team up the table, and I think he's more concentrating that on the on the team, getting an early results in. And he feels like if he can do that, he can show that this Charlton team under him can go far. But it's going to be difficult for him. One of the more surprising lines that came out of the uh, the press day was around uh, the re- recent addition to the coaching staff, Chris O'Loughlin. Um, he sort of mentioned that, that Chris O'Loughlin was going to leave and he wanted to keep him on. What, what, what did you make of those comments when, when you were sat there in the room? Yeah, it's, it's very surprising. Um, there was a question about the backroom staff and someone said, well, we're going to be after Richie Barker. And he was sort of coy on that. He sort of said, 
blah, blah. And then all of a sudden he, he sort of went on to his backroom staff. He went on to about um, Kevin Nugent, how he asked Kevin to stay. He knows about him on the circuit. And then he, and then he mentioned Chris. And, yeah, he, he used the line, I think his exact words were that he was due to go back now. Um, and I, I think I've read a quote from somebody who might have been there saying how he talked about his experience. I think he was more talking about um, the fact he managed in Belgium's top division, and he said he's been over and seen a few games, and um, he's been impressed by the, the, the calibre of the, the league, and he's saying how he's impressed by, by him and as a person and him as a coach. And I think it, it, was, it, was, it was a bit of a weird sort of time in, um, in, in the actual interview where they're talking about the backroom staff, but no one really mentions Chris. I, I imagine that he'd been asked that before he came in the room or certainly been prepped about it, but um, it was a bit of a... It's a, it's a weird situation there where we've already got um, Kevin Nugent lined up. He wants to bring in his own man, um, Simon Clark, still staying. He mentioned how Simon's important for the youth development, how the players coming into the side from the, from the youth academy really like Simon, and Simon's really knowledgeable about them. So it is an interesting one. We'll, we'll see how it pays out, whether this does indeed stay until at least the end of the season. So coming away from, uh, from the press day, well, your overall impressions, do you think he's going to be the man to... You know, get us through all these uh, these issues that we've had. Do you think he's going to be able to? Do you think he's going to be given the time? Do you think he believed he's going to be given the time and the resources, and perhaps even to the extent be be left alone in order to be allowed to uh, succeed? Well, I know for a fact he's already started to think about players to bring in. He's, he mentioned that he wanted to get another number ten um, for when a is injured. He mentioned how he loves wingers. Um, in fact, he, he described he described them a bit too passionately and swore about how much he loves wingers. But <laughs> I think immediately he's going to come in with targets, and I think the board has to give him that. Um, there's no question about that. Of course, he's got last till January. First of all, <laughs> he's got a tough run of games. There's a lot of questions about the Mill derbies coming up. Obviously, we've got the, the one just before Christmas, and then there's one in January. And um, Kevin Nolan sitting in there was reminding him about how it, it builds kind of a statue of himself if he, if he managed to get those victories. And, I do think that, given the time, he will improve things. He spoke. I asked a question about Dylan Phillips, um, about what he made of him and, and whether we maybe needed another experienced goalkeeper. And he said that um, he felt like Dylan's a good goalkeeper, but he said he, because of his non-league, he's been kicking the ball all way long. And he's saying about how he wants to play from the back and he wants his goalkeepers to start passing it around a bit more. So immediately he's seen, trying to see improvement in players. And that's not a bad thing for Dylan. I mean, that's just going to help his, his potential. And um, so overall, in, in regards to your question, I think if given the time, if he can make his, his, his mark immediately, I think it helps that he's got MK Dons this weekend because it's a cup game. He knows MK Dons as a, as a club inside and out. They've just made a managerial appointment themselves. So there's going to be, um, it's going to be a good battle, good watch. And I just hope that if he does turn things around, if things do get a little bit tricky, that he's still got the backing and still got the time because I, I think in the long run he could actually be a very good appointment and could be a good fit for Charlton. Well, let's, uh, let's hope he is. Uh, Greg, thanks for your time here on, on Charlton Live this yeah, evening. And uh, I'll Thank see you me. soon. So there we had uh, Greg Stubbley uh, talking about his uh, experiences at the press day on Monday, the first one with Carl Robinson now, Carl Robinson's first game. You've got to love these little football coincidences you get <laughs> against, uh, against a franchise that he used to, uh, he used to manage yeah. for six and a half years. Um, uh, what, what do you expect? I mean, what I would have liked to have seen is if he was at MK Dons just about long enough to win the previous round and then play himself in because that would be quite funny. <laughs> but, um, yeah. um, he, um, changes might not be the right word because he hasn't made a, a start in 11 yet, but do you expect to see changes from in terms of the Charlton side? I wouldn't expect to see too many. 
if I'm honest, I'd expect him to kind of go in there. There's no Tuesday game next week, is there? So mm. I, I don't really see it as a normal Saturday game. I try and treat it as a league game, to be honest. Well, that's what um, Slade did last time. I think we only made two or three yeah. changes, two of which were by injury. So. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to, so just saying off air, I'd like to see Bataka play. Yeah. Um, it came out, he, he kind of said that he loves wingers. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I think, you know, Bataka showed like, once again in that five, that five minutes he came well, on, on Saturday that get him on the pitch and yeah. let him have a run. And if you have Pataka and Lookman on the wings, then, you know, we, we, we've, we've got a good chance, especially with McGuinness and the Joes up top, who are both in good form as well. So mm. I, think, I think the thing is, Robinson's inheriting a team that's just picked up seven points and it's in a week, including, you know, yeah, we didn't deserve a point on Saturday, but we got it. So, you know, there's a good bit of momentum to go, to go in. So for me, don't change it too much. Yeah, excellent stuff. Right, we've uh, pretty much run out of time. Oh, that was quick. Yeah, the show's absolutely flown by today. What we do need, though, since you're sitting in Tom and... And Nathan's oh chairs. You need to you need to fill their prediction boots. So, Ooh. so what's Ooh. your prediction for Saturday? Oh, I think well, I think we're going to win. Um, yeah. I mean, I know Robbie Nielsen's apparently getting the MK Don's job tonight. Whether he'd be in charge of Saturday, I don't know. So, it's him against Barker. I think we're going to win two 0 Two 0 excellent stuff. I, I fancy us to win it as well. Actually, I'm going to go for a two one win to the Addicts. Right, this has been Charlton Live, the big match preview. Another uh, busy uh, week. We thanks uh, Jimmy Stone and Grace Dudley for coming on the show tonight to talk about various things. Thank you, Crispy, for uh, coming in. This good to be back, Thursday. mate. It's good to see you. Have, we have a Sunday evening with you again soon. Uh, I've been Louis Mendes. This has been on, on the show. Oh, okay, I've been sorry. Louis Mendes. This has been Charlton Live. Thank you for listening. Uh, sorry we didn't get to all your, your comments today. We've got to as many of them as possible. But if there's anything left over, we'll try and use them on that on Sunday show when we look back at whatever happens against MK Dons. We'll see you then. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.